0: Welcome. Ocio. Hello, in my language. I'm very glad to be here as your guest. And so you can ask me what
1: questions, if I know, I'll answer. If I don't, I'll tell you. Well, Rolling Thunder, it's been only in recent years that traditional American Indians such as yourself have been willing to to share your way of life with the the larger white community. There's only a few, very few of us that do that,
0: and uh, we do what we think is uh, ready and right. There's many things we don't share yet that have been put to sleep because too much power in the hands of the wrong people, they could destroy the earth itself. And we've certainly been subject to that. But it's my thinking, I go by what I know and my dreams and what I'm supposed to do. And at this time, we can share some things that we couldn't before. And I think it's necessary so that pe- uh, people sometimes foolish and aggressive that they might destroy the earth. And I like to see people more interested in cleaning it up. There's ways of cleaning up the smog and there's ways of cleaning up anything. It's according to the power of the mind. The smog, is it comes out of the uh, the mind of a man, a modern man that has greedy or bad thoughts. Uh, and uh, I mean by that, the ancient peoples had great technology, greater than what's here at this time, so that uh, they could create anything that would, and it wouldn't pollute. And you take a, a, a modern society, you create something, whatever it is, automobile or a weapon, tank, anything, it's going to wear out, it's going to wear out fast. And it's a, for destruction, a person had it in mind when he created that thing. Or either to make a lot of money, while other people might go hungry. So by greed and aggressive thinking, which is wrong, and these people are still far behind others and there's others watching out there too so they'll only be able to go so far mm-hmm. and that's all because it's going to be stopped it has to be stopped and that's why some of us like my tribe Cherokee and we wear this seven-pointed star and i'm sorry to disappoint anyone that think all indians are sprouting feathers all over And movement picture virgins uh, haven't been very accurate at all. This is my own tribal headdress here. And a seven-pointed star is is a national emblem of my people Mm -hmm. here. It's a seven-pointed star inlaid with turquoise, representing that we came from a place called Atlantis, where the West Indian Islands are now went under the water. And before that, from a star out there. And we brought our teachings with us how to build the pyramids and move 20-ton boulders into place with no slave labor and all that stuff. That's their theory, which is wrong. Also, great technology and building cities. Some of them are now under the ocean. And then before that we came from the star out there we brought our alphabet and books with us and originally had 92 letters in our alphabet sequoia one of my ancestors and he helped revise this alphabet to 86 and so it could be translated to english and it wouldn't be destroyed because at that time they were making war on my tribe and, and Long March, they call Trail of Tears, they do. We call it Bloody Trail. Over a thousand miles of Smoky Mountains where the Cherokees moved inland. And then to a place called Oklahoma where I was raised. Others went other directions. Some went uh, the Mayans, some of our cousins. And they were great builders, too. They had this knowledge. They went to the coast of Yucatan, Mexico, they had many friends over there, and some went to England, Stonehenge, and uh, placed those boulders there where they could accurately tell the seasons to plant the crops and many different things about the seasons, and. Some I hear went to Egypt. I tell my Jewish friends they went the wrong direction, and that's why they only—they lost one star. <laughs> Some of them have said they're gonna get it back. Might be a good idea, huh?
1: <laughs> so,
0: anyway, they laugh about it. They, they. Uh, good-natured people.
1: Well, there are some Jews who think that the Indians are part of the ten lost tribes of, of Israel. And I guess you are suggesting that the Jews are one of the lost tribes of the Cherokee.
0: <laughs> they are one of the lost tribes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And uh, Columbus did not discover America. There were people here already. That's a couple sure. of my boys would not put that down. They were going to school. I had to go up and have a chat with this little principal, and I made him stand on the other side of the desk while I stood on, or sat in his chair. Finally, I had to stand up, and I explained to him, I've taught my children not to lie. Now, you're trying to make a liar out of him, and he finally uh, caught the message. I told him you were working for me. I paid taxes. And so you're going to listen to me. <laughs> and you're not going to teach my children to lie. And so he, he made an exception of my boys. And, but he flunked them.
1: Well, it seems, it seems to me that the lie of, of the larger culture is much bigger than who discovered America. It's as if we've lost touch with, with, with something very, very fundamental that native peoples, such as yourself, have, have kept alive.
0: Well, they stole most everything. And somebody asked me, What part of America is it uh, 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 that you, isn't there any good thing that you like uh, about this country? I said, Yes, that's that part that they stole. And it is very true even though they stole most everything they could get their hands on, our land, children, women, whatever, they took it. And the natural wealth left us very poor people, a lot of our people homeless in our own country. But the best things of all, that they had no value, was our way of life. They copied our Constitution from the Iroquois Confederation. That's in a The uh, legal code books. Mm -hmm. And so that uh, they didn't invent that. They had nothing like it before. But they couldn't live by it because their heart was not, and their thinking was not in that kind of order, to live by something like that. Mm -hmm. And a real freedom and a real peace, they couldn't do it. So they violate it every day by their different interpretations, just like they do their own Bible and different good books. Yeah. And so in in losing these uh, values, they also lost a great deal in how to take care of this land. I like to teach about that. That's our job. We were delegated. We don't say we own the land. The grandfather Greek spirit, the one they call God, is the one that owns the land. And so, that uh, we are, though, the caretakers of this land. Nobody else can do it, but there's people that can help, and we'd like a lot of people like that that would help. If we try to take your job, we'd make a mess of it. Uh, somebody else's job, it wouldn't be too good because you people have the technology, and we're all needed, all of us, are needed to work together, and so there won't be any such day as next wars of violence, also that the land could bloom again, and it does in the desert where I live, and I can prove it right now. It looks like a jungle in the area right around my house. and. and It's green for a hundred miles around. On every side, different deserts, real deserts. But in the area where we live, I've seen even what they call weeds. No such thing as a weed, really. I've seen them dance when there was no wind blowing to the sound of our drums and our singing. That's how powerful that is, too. And so that we have rain And even without the rain, these plants are still green. It's amazing. I come down here sometimes. I see uh, everything dried up sometimes in the past. And One time, they was having a drought. And the water commissioners over here in Marion County wrote me a two-page legal-size type letter and invited me to come down here. and get some rain that time at some years back when it was really drying up down here. And I turned it down. I had a good laugh. You know why? Mm-hmm. They, they didn't say one word about what they going to do for me or my people. So
2: hmm.
0: I had, we had a good laugh, and then my people did, and and uh, I could see it laying in the, their uh yards over there, a lot of rusty old pipe. And yet they didn't say one word. We could have used that for irrigation pipe. Put it back together, we could have used it. But uh, it's not for me to beg or to tell them. They never offered my transportation, even. They didn't say where I was going to stay or how I was going to eat. Those people didn't. Now I know they wouldn't ask anybody else to do anything like that. When they go to their doctors, they pay. You bet they do, handsomely. I didn't ask them for no payment. I don't go begging nowhere. And they can't treat me like that. They want, they want, they want. And they want an old Indian to work for nothing some of those people, politicians are the worst. Let's put it that way. I don't want to talk too much about politicians.
1: Well, there was a huge thunderstorm here in the San Francisco Bay Area two nights ago, which is extremely rare. We we never get thunder and lightning. And Some of my good friends have been after me. They've
0: been calling me up there. i got many friends throughout the area here. Besides, I like this area. But when my friends ask me for help, that's different from some politician that ain't going to do nothing to appreciate. And yes, I've been dancing as hard as I could. Doing a few other things. So, uh, it's my brother over there, that old storm god. And that's the way I got my name, for that matter. I used to scream like a little eagles, what they told me, even when I was a baby in diapers. Run right out in a storm. Yeah, I love it. And that lightning flash, there's a lot of power in it, I tell you. Mm-hmm. And I know some Indians, I don't like to talk too much about what I can do myself. I tell people I don't do nothing. That's a great spirit's power. But I do have a, a, a say so sometimes, and I can request, you know, what, and if people deserve it, why they can have it. it, it, it uh, we like to help, too, in our way of doing things. And that, I like to, uh, it's beautiful music when that thunder rolls. You can catch some of the water uh, right after the storm. Catch it in pots, pans, any way you can, and drink it. You don't need no, nothing to get high with. You don't need anything else you can feel that energy go all the way through you. I'd do that sometimes and have my feathers out there making the thunder roll and bring the lightning down and and then stand right there in the middle of it. I'd look around behind me. Here would be a lot of my family and my people there too looking up at the show, you know. No, we don't need no heavy artillery, nothing like that. We've got 80,000 more times uh energy one bolt of lightning than there was in the first atomic bomb what they dropped on Japan
2: mm-hmm.
1: eighty
0: thousand times
1: more yeah this is what you were referring to when you talked about the the power of the traditional Indian knowledge yes yes we can stop them anytime we want
0: any enemy we can stop them. but we don't want any good people to ever get hurt. So it makes it a little difficult sometimes. So best day is win some of them over. That's what an old man named Kitawa, a tribesman of mine, and that's what he told me a long time ago. He said, well, we couldn't beat them on a field of battle. We gave them a good run for their money, though. They know that. But there was too many of them. So now we'll love them to death. In other words, share and win a lot of more. How about that? You ready to be adopted or become an Indian? I am. <laughs> okay, stick yeah. around then. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can ride home with us. Uh-huh. All right. And uh, so I'd like to talk more, too, a little bit about communication. I noticed something like this. It was a few years back, maybe fifteen years ago, something like that, that we had a uh, what we call white roots of Peace. Start out with some Iroquois, up in New York State. And they toured the country, talking with different tribes at that time, all the way around the country, and two big cities, and out on the super highways. And through the towns, they never got one car lost from the other. Perfect formation. One stop, they'd all stop. <laughs> and uh, so I've tried the same thing out with some convoys of good white people. Friendlies, anyway. And we uh, come to a town. Each one, right soon as you hit the town, has to go a different direction. And of course we always put them around, do the best to can. We have an alternate place to meet, maybe on the other side of town, or two or three of those. So that if one gets lost from the other, eventually we'd find our way. Mm-hmm. But uh with these white folks, because they're so wound up, I think it is, and under so much stress, and they even interrupt each other when they're talking, I think that's what's happening. And and they'll talk while the other person's still talking. You find that sometimes. Uh, it's pretty amongst normal. <laughs> normal? <laughs> I better us, go yes. back to the woods, <laughs> <laughs> desert, ten because it's bad manners. Yeah. That's what it is. It's actually bad manners and they don't look at it that way but it is absolutely i was taught different from that i was just I taught respect and especially it starts for the with the elders yeah and i see children nowadays and their elders their own parents maybe be talking come in and interrupt just like nothing at all you know i was taught to stand back and wait my turn and then very quietly uh, to ask my question, yes. Uh, Well-behaved children, it could show a reflection on the parents when they got no reason at all. But now, they raise these children, father and mother both have to work to maintain expensive home, you know. And sometimes even the children themselves have to work. Children come in and raid the ice box for cold, cold food, and they're quite confused. Had young one young man that hated his mother. I finally got it out of him why? Well, she wouldn't cook for him. He was a little guy, and I got him over that. I told him she's still your mother. She's your elder. Regardless of any mistakes she made or anything, you're supposed to overlook that. And they did make up. We've had, uh, at our camp, have a camp up there called Meditante. Some of them coming in there, have written to their parents for uh, years, sometimes for years. The first thing they have to do is write to their parents and let them know where they're at. And they're all right. After one year, they'd have to go back and make up with their parents, and it was good to see them get themselves cleaned up, and some of them with patches on their behind. Our pants had slipped down. They don't do it around me, I'll tell you that. I'm a rough old man, and I, I, I don't want anybody dressing disgraceful. Even the ladies that they go to town with me, they wear a dress. A long dress. I'm old fashioned. And I like we raised we brag used to brag about it, not so much anymore. That's older, old people. And we'd brag about we raised strong men and strong women. Oh. And we need to be strong. The grandfather great spirits. He likes people. They keep themselves clean and strong in the thinking as well as the body. And so that uh, uh, that's the way we are, we uh, appreciate the good things and then the good things come to us in spite of everything. Grandfather going to provide for those that deserve it. Mm-hmm.
1: Is there a sense that by respecting one's elders, one's parents in particular, from from whom we were born biologically, that we become closer to our own nature, closer to nature? Uh, Well, yes.
0: That is, I think all children should have pets. Might be cats, dogs. My kids had wild cats, bobcats raised in the house. They had a crow, lived outside for a pet, Mm -hmm. and he could talk a little bit. And (laughs) then they had uh, all manner of pets. But by showing respect and kindness to these pets, they might be uh, also respectful to each other. And we don't let any of the dirty English language, like bastards or uh, stepchildren, there's no such thing. My children, yet today, well, they're not children no more. They got a whole flock of grandkids, lots of them. And yet today, they don't use that kind of dirty language. No such thing as a bastard. And why take it out on the girl always to have a baby? It's not done in our society. It's not thought of that way. So it is, too. So be it our minds. We should keep them clean. That's the worst kind of swearing. You can put a little a curse, on. I've seen them, on a little child. He takes it seriously if he's mm-hmm. called a name. Mm-hmm. We don't go in for name calling either. Uh-uh, no. And uh, if we call a name, what we're doing is impressing that person or that child, maybe for life or maybe putting a curse on them, not knowing and they're ignorant what they're doing. Another thing that's very bad is uh, arguing and fighting in front of the little children. I never had to live like that so that, so that uh, I don't understand it. Why people should act shameful? But uh, they know who you are. The animals do. The birds do. They know me. Because I go out and feed those creatures. Every spring, I go out and feed them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, they know me. I know them, too, by their names a lot of times. Spend time with them, even the snakes, they know me, and they will not strike me unless I was to step on one or agitate it and some way like that, but uh, I can walk among them. And the birds sometimes, they don't fly. Sometimes the animals don't run, and we can have a conversation. I take offerings to them of food. Our neighbors, the Coyotes, they didn't bother our stuff in our camp, our poultry, our sheep, goats, nothing. They'd go five miles to where the white man's ranch is over there, <laughs> and his might have been fatter or something. They liked his. They didn't eat ours.
1: Well, there's a sense in, in which your identity, who you are and the way you are in the world extends beyond your skin into the into the world of nature itself.
0: We are one with the nature. We don't hold ourselves that we are a super race at all or that we're any better than the animals or any better than a grain of sand or dirt. Something about that in your Bible. I read it once. Mm -hmm. I've never been a Christian, but I've read all those books once. And then I put them away because they don't have in it a lot of times, though, about the ego and about the oneness of man with the nature, with the storms, with the earth, with the trees and the plants.
1: People... Often call you RT, don't
0: they? Yes, a great many people do. I don't mind if they once get to know me. Mm-hmm. Just call me RT. First, I like my natural nature name as Rolling Thunder. When I first meet someone, mm. uh, we've met.
1: We've we've met. This is our second. Of course, you can now. call me RT if you like. Uh-huh. Well, let me let me ask you this: Is, is we get started, RT? Um, how do you get along with women oh uh fine mm-hmm. if they get angry
0: uh i was told a long time ago by old man he says take a walk go fishing come back later and they'll be all right and i've also been told by an older clan mother long time ago and she told me uh, uh, always ask them if they can cook, <laughs> and, and so when I met my wife uh, that passed away, the uh, last one I had, Shawnee Indian woman, and I asked her if she could cook, that's the way I proposed to her. I never learned no modern ways dances or making love, so there she was sitting there where I would seen her three days before. I know she was, hadn't been there all the time in this little cafe. So I, I took her outside and proposed to her there on the sidewalk. I was kind of fast those days, <laughs> I guess. So I asked her if she could cook. I said yes, yeah. and I said cornbread, yes, yeah. turnip greens, black-eyed peas, yes. Yeah, yeah. Let's go home. So. She made a good wife to me, too, uh-huh. for about 30 or 35 years, something like that. And we raised uh, six children. So I take I get along with them all right. But when I learned how, uh, all the answers to that subject, then I'm going to write another book.
2: And,
1: uh, and uh, Maybe not in this life, but the next life. Uh (laughs) Do do Indians uh, have a a view of reincarnation?
0: Oh, yes, uh, that is true. We live many lives according to the way we live this life. The next life is an extension of how we lived in this life. We go to many different places, not one or two places, according to what we qualified for. And we're supposed to elevate ourselves to a higher level every day. Every day when the sun rises, that's a new day. And we're supposed to live that day better than the day before mm-hmm. and put the things the day before in the past and go to a higher level each day. And then each year of our lives and each lifetime, supposed to go to a higher level So eventually we don't have to come back. We can stay over there according to what we believe in and the way we live. Mm-hmm. and So that uh, I know where I've gone, I've been there, and it was beautiful. No contamination, no smog, and the houses were constructed out of willows, like some of our wickiups, where we come from, same way, out of willows woven like a basket upside down, kind of. Uh, the wheels. and some of these were huge over there and many rooms, but they were kind of out in the open. They're healthy people, they like to live that way. And everyone's singing while they work, go about to work. Children playing and laughing. And then to the other side, this Indian camp, where I'll be going someday. And way out the other side, heard a buffalo, far as I could see. That's good enough for me. I don't want to go any other places. have no desire. Uh, yeah, I might as well tell a little more about it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've also been there. Every real medicine person has been there at least once. Or they're not real. I have. Uh, I've been there twice over there because I've been over there after my wife passed away. It was the same way. No worries, no care, no stress. And the air and the water was pure, no pollution. So I just uh, I've been over what we'd call the Indian Hell. I haven't been to their Hell because I don't desire to go there. and uh, not qualified, I've never been a Christian. (laughs) So so it's not my hell,
1: sir. You've
0: got to be a good Christian to go to Christian hell. Uh, I guess so. It's going to be crowded, (laughs) especially with politicians and uh, some people that do bad things. I think that's where we're going to go. Uh, Not all politicians are bad. I know there's one somewhere up there that's a good man. I'm going to meet him someday. Mm -hmm. To Washington, D.C. There's one good one. And I'm going to meet him some of these days. We're going to change things a lot. Mm-hmm. Meantime, uh, we talk in circles. I hope you can bear with me. I come back to the starting point. Yeah, I was going to tell you about this Indian hell where the bad Indians go that drink and done bad things, you know. Mm-hmm. There was nobody there burning forever and ever and all that stuff. We don't believe in the gruesome stuff, see. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, it was a uh, big rock cliff, a couple of hundred feet, uh, all around a huge valley. And there were a lot of guards up on top. I don't know how I found myself in there. It was a strange kind of a feeling, uh, half dark too, a lot of darkness and these guards looking down at us. Even if you could climb the cliffs, you could, still couldn't get out, okay? So so here in one end of this valley was a, a bar with neon signs all lit, looking real pretty. So I started to walk over there, see if I could find somebody could tell me where I'm at, you know, and uh, help me get kind of located. Mm-hmm. Find my way. I felt kind of lost and alone, uh, and so uh, my spirit guide told me, "says, uh, nothing to but nothing to drink. This is the bar, but nothing to drink." So I thought, "Oh well, I'd seen some girls dancing, real pretty, mima skirts on, you know, young girls and." And dancing around, everything, you know. And, and uh, so I decided, well, go over there and see if some of these girls can uh, help me out and maybe explain to me how to get out of here. I don't think I like it too well down here. So I went over there, and one of the girls seemed, to, you still right away was kind of in charge of the others. They had a clan mother system, too, you know, had to have a number one to keep the peace and uh, keep the girls busy doing what they like to do and dancing and everything I guess so I went over there and the spirit guide told me right away but no sex well, that's when I knew it was really hell <laughs> okay so <laughs> so I did inquire this seemed to be the head girl uh, how to get out of there I didn't think by then I was sure I wasn't going to like it down there, okay? So she got all the girls together and we picked up big rocks. She instructed us and she knew where one trail was coming up out of there and there were guards there. We come up out of there and was all hurling these big rocks at these evil spirits that were guarding us. Mm -hmm. By golly, we come up out of there, I'll tell you, you hear them the rocks thump, you know, and hear those things uh, cry out and take off. We come out of there, that was my adventure in our hell, I guess, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: Do you think of this realm as being supernatural or is it natural to you? It's real, it's real. We're the ones that are unnatural
0: on this earth Mm -hmm. with these bodies that are imperfect and only wear out Sometimes, nowadays, after a very short time through uh, accidents, abuse, wrong kind of living, and by the chemicals, we get in our food and water and the smog, and they wear out fast with all that. So they're not real, see, they're only temporary, where the spirit lives on and on. We live many lives, and if we slip back, if we don't live a good life, Somebody commits a murder, even warfare. There's no excuse. No excuses is any good. Then we have to suffer, and we can slide back. Become have to go all start all over again. Maybe be reborn as a worm, or coyote. Then we have to work our way all the way back up. Yeah. So I, I've got three lifetimes together at this time. I'm a young man, and the, the, uh, you might say in uh, knowledge yet, and much to learn yet. It'll take all the lifetimes put together to really know what there is to know. After that, it's a learning place here. It'll no longer be needed after that.
1: Yeah. You were talking to me earlier about the tree of life that you had experienced, the 800 year old oak tree.
0: Yeah. Oh, tree of life. All peoples at one time around the world had a tree of life over across the Great Waters and uh, European countries to the northern part anyway. It was an oak tree. It's a one. At, uh, they got corns from at one time. They could eat them. They knew how to cook those, how to eat them. And then they got greedy and to start building ships to sail out, to raid other people, and to discover other worlds after they'd used up their own natural resources and their own and cut down all the trees, most all of them. Of course, then they... Uh, and most of it was to build ships around the Mediterranean and then uh, also around the Baltic and Northern Europe. Uh, and, uh, first the Scandinavians and then later on different nations and peoples. So they could raid out, raid other people, loot other people, cheat other people around the world and carry their diseases they'd pick up from one place to another, So which were many. And uh, so that anyway, uh, before that they followed regional ways and they got along good. They went by the circle, which is on the tombstones in Ireland, a circle in the beginning, the same as we go by here. And this tree of life though, it can be different in different places. The Iroquois up in New York State and southern part of Canada, Ontario, and I think it is uh, the maple in that area. And they have a maple on their flag too. Yes, they have a flag, just like the Canadians have a maple leaf on their flag. Mm. And yes, we have flags, Indian flags, which the public don't know much about, of course. They don't know American history. <laughs> and uh, so that. Uh, in the west, up where we live anyway, it would be the pinon nut tree. But under the roots of this tree, it's told to us, there's room for all people. Now that don't mean we want everyone to go back to Europe, uh, any stuff like they might, some people might perceive. Even if we came to power, we recognize our teachings. We go by our teachings. And now white people need us. We need white people and colored, all other kind of people. (laughs) Do you know, it would take at least 100 years, maybe 500, to clean up the mess that's been made here, clean up the river, to replant the trees. You know, we'd need all the help we could get, huh? So when we take over, now don't let that scare you. But I've seen it. We are. I've seen it. And looking into things. We will take over. It said if they can't keep the treaties, then we'll take it back. And after this disaster that you're going into now, there won't be too many left. I wish there were more. But I've seen these armies without guns going into the great cities and and, uh, all over and rescuing what they could, armies without guns, and taking food to the people. That's the kind of army that we'll have. It'll be different from yours. And we're going to tighten up our immigration laws. I'll tell you that right now. They've been too lax. So we're going to tighten them up now, and we're going to take all the politicians made laws against Indians and poor people. And we're going to take them and ask them if they can swim. And the good people that want peace and live in peace and, and a real kind of a ballot prosperity where we help each other. And we're not going to let them out. Oh, We need need all the good ones. We don't need the bums. And the, uh, treaty breakers and the thieves—we don't need them. Oh.
1: No, I think we uh, are all yearning for the time when the earth will once again belong to the people who love the earth.
0: Well, the earth is a living body, just like we are. It has uh, streams under it, and it's said among our people, this earth sits on a bubble, and you can, we can believe it because. These bubbles are water, lakes, streams underneath the earth, they go all o- all through it, all over, and then fire underneath that, uh, so that uh, she's a living body, and she has ways of cleansing herself when she's too much violated, and she turns over, just like an animal turns over in the sand of the dust. to. Uh, cleanses itself of parasites, and we got too many are being parasites. They take, and it should be a law, too, if they cut a tree, they have to plant one. Same way like Denmark and little Sweden, those countries over there, they're proud of their lands. Here, they got it for nothing, nothing but to take it, so she needs to be cleaned up. And so she has a way of turning over. She's done it before. There's proof of it. In Alaska, they found mastodons and dinosaurs perfectly preserved in the ice and with food, tropical food, still in their mouth. So it's been proved before. It is a fact that the Earth, every so often when needed, can turn over and cleanse herself, And so there's more than merely atomic war and everything that's facing it. Now these things are being hurried up. It shouldn't be necessary. But there's so much desecration and destruction of the nature and the earth. You can see it everywhere you go now. I remember the days when in California you could walk down the streets in Los Angeles and pick oranges off the tree and eat them. And no pollution. I remember those days. And I was doing that one time when I was hungry. And a movie star down there called me in and cooked me a good breakfast. He's a wonderful person. I got many friends down there, they're not all bad people. Mm-hmm some of those people just because they're rich or something like that. And they do like to help people when a lot of people don't help. And so, also back to uh, this destruction and environment, I've been hearing that they have a hole in in the outer space area uh, this atmosphere, atmosphere mm-hmm. and it's growing around the South Pole. Yes, And it uh, it's having a, they kind of uh, raise the sun to get through now, are mm-hmm. harmful ones. The hole in the ozone layer. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's heating up, melting the ice, and up at a little village where I lived for a while, called Yakutak, on the coast of Alaska. Uh, There was uh, huge mountains of glaciers that were moving, sliding, as the earth warms up toward the village. So a lot of the people that became Catholics, they called in a good father, Catholic priest to them to stop that glacier. (coughs) They couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So they called to me and asked me how to stop it. They went out to stop the glacier are moving. Temporarily it stopped, but we do know there's a time when they're gonna have to evacuate that village. A lot of them may be coming to our place, which is 5,000 feet high on the level. And there will come a time, this California's gonna go under the water, like was prophesied a few years ago. Now, that's kind of funny, I think, thought it was, when one old man from Southern California Somewhere on the area of Los Angeles, and he came by my place. And he, was, uh, my young people, checked him out first. And Dad, you might ought to talk to this old man. Seems like a good person, but he seems just kind of mixed up. Well, I didn't catch on at first what they are talking about. They said he wouldn't eat. He's in a great hurry. So I did talk to the elderly gentleman, and it seems his guru or somebody in Los around Los Angeles had told him California and the whole West was going under the water. So he was headed for Pike's Peak in Colorado. He won't get up as high as he could. I guess he's mm-hmm. still sitting up there because he never did come back through. I tried my I tried as best I can. I don't consider him a very good counselor sometimes. And I tried to calm the old gentleman and tell him if he had it coming, he's gonna get it wherever he was, whether he was on top of Pikes Peak or sitting down there at sea level. Uh, I, I didn't do a very good job, I don't think. So he took off in a great big hurry without eating or anything. Pikes Peak. I think it must be still up there somewhere. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Wherever we're at, it's something we cannot get away from, whatever our karma is. Yes, so, so I presume the old gentleman's still sitting up there on Pikes Peak. He wouldn't listen to me. He listened to his money-making uh, uh, guru or whoever it was or down, down over there, you know. Now no Indians were making any prophecies. Uh, they'd laugh about it. We'd laugh about it up there on the reservations and everything. When somebody had said uh, put it out and be in the newspaper. California going under the water. And as in a meeting up there on the reservation one night where we get together and talk all night long. At the end of that meeting we know more news, what's going on than all the other people together we know more
1: now let's talk about that
0: oh well okay it was that uh, uh, after that i began to wonder about this thing, and i'd go out and report back to the indians whatever i found down here you know that it was going on <coughs> and if it was true or not true or just a rumor okay i came down to uh, san francisco one time there I was, sitting in the park, watching people go by and, and checking on their troubles. I could tell, well, that guy, he had a fight with his wife this morning. Now he's heading for the office uh, to have a fight with his boss and the rest of them. Boy, you could tell by the way they walk and straight ahead, you know. I finally got tired of that, you know. They got so many problems, even those days, that was years ago. So here come a full-blood old Cherokee in and then came and sat beside me. And, and uh, so he had some complaints too, but they were different. They chased him out of Golden Gate Park for fishing. And he was complaining, can't fish to eat no more. They explained how they faced uh, somebody. They chased him out of Golden Gate Park anyway. So, I sympathize with him, yes, I says, civilization's not always too good. <laughs> and so, uh, we talked a while about different things that uh, interest us Indians, you know, can't hunting fish no more different kinds of things, and he wanted me to go home with him. So, I went home with him, and there was a family of Native American Indians, native to San Francisco in that area. Now the books teach they're extinct. I found out later they're not extinct at all. And any area where they say they're extinct. And living right in the middle of San Francisco. And this family had the history all the way back to when you could walk on the sand across the bay. And they used to fish through the sand, to the water underneath. Oh yeah, and back that far, which must have been maybe thousands of years ago, and also they had articles in their position that have to do with holding up the land. So I knew what it was. And this old man had stood up in a mean it, meeting, way up there on the reservation, never seen San Francisco, never been out of the reservation. And he says, I seen a place called San Francisco. I seen it like an island with water most of the way around. See, we don't have words for peninsula, I mm-hmm. Like an island, but with water most of the way around. And he says, I seen one little stem holding it up, and I found it. Wherever there's traditional Indians that still living, there's nothing to fear because we'll hold up this land. But it's getting to the point there ain't many of us left yet. We've been genocided to the point, where there's only a few of us, real traditional Indians. And so the others have become, uh, I guess you'd say westernized Mm -hmm. and converted to a foreign religion or either drunk. And that's not traditional at all. That has nothing to do with tradition. Traditionally Indian is one who lives close to the nature, with the nature, uh, and regardless of all the other things swirling around us, trying to destroy or consumer, that we never give up. We stay and proud to be Indians. And so, so uh, living with the nature and the trees, I like to go out every morning that eight hundred and fifty year old oak, oak tree where I've been staying. It's on that property. And they got it fenced in now it's good for its own protection. I like to go and stand with my back to that tree and I've had a bad back, but every time I stand close to it and think about it, uh, I feel good. My back gets stronger every time so it don't get weak so much and I can stand up straight where I used to be all humped over one time and had uh, been involved train wrecks and things where I got all broke up see and it makes me stronger, drawing that energy into me and so uh, I'm glad uh, preserve this old great grandfather oak tree. He's the grandfather, and he's got an awful lot of power. And I like to stand out there, my back to it. And uh, it's good that they preserve some of the trees, and even some of the redwoods, I guess, even small tracts of them for seed and future generations. How many we don't know. Well, we should think more of our children and our grandchildren and the good things of life that are being destroyed. It's not necessary to let them destroy it. People have asked me how to stop them. Well, we don't believe in violence. We're not going to take any guns or blow anything up. That's not our nature to do those kind of things. I always I say, what can we do? Mm. I asked them, do you know how to pray? You'd be uh, surprised how many that admit they don't know how to pray. Not like an Indian, anyway, that they don't know how to pray. They might ask for a Cadillac. They might ask for a gold mine. I had one young man come to me one time, he asked me, will you help me, can you, he said first, help me find a gold mine. I said, yes, if you're ready to make the offering. He said, what is the offering? It's flashing right through my mind all the time. I can tell you where you can find gold and find a gold mine. There's a big gold mine right on that spot today, close to Battle Mountain, Nevada. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you where you can find all the gold you want. He said, if you're ready to make the offering. See, if I gather a plant, I have to make an offering. Okay? Nothing is supposed to be free, especially if it contains life. So, he said, what is the offering? I said, your life. Because some white man, more greedy than you are, is going to kill you for that gold mine. I'd seen it. Come along and he'll kill you for that gold mine. He chickened out, kind of glad he did. (laughs) See what greed does to people? And I advise people, I want to explain too about the plant life and how to respect those plants. When I gather my plants for medicine and I gather some real powerful ones, when I gather them, they're real powerful. Somebody else might go there and start yanking them up and they're gonna do nothing for them maybe poison them. Well, when I gather my plants, I have to go out there, never at nighttime, between sunrise and sunset only. At nighttime, we let, let them sleep and rest. They have a life. They have a tribe. They have a family. And they have a chief, just like we do, we people do. Same kind of order of things, only they can communicate on a much higher level. They don't have to make a lot of noise when they communicate, but they know what's happening. They can read their thoughts. I've seen some plants, they would fold their leaves in fear if some people approach them. I like to see them happy. And I explain to them in my prayers how they're going to be used in a good way. And should be happy for what they're doing and not to fear that we won't take too much. Never take more than half. And if I only see one or two, I'll even be to reproduce. That's our reverence for the plant life. I had so it is too. At these plants, after I made my offering to the chief and his ladies around him, his females. Then I, if I have to still, I only take so much, never more than half. I don't believe in killing those plants or destroying them. And so that uh, if I take some from below the ground, the roots, then I have to smooth the dirt back, the earth back, just like it was, smooth. And maybe replant a seed or a piece of the root. Uh, where it came out, so that uh, it can grow again. And that's a reverence that we have for the plant life and the Mother Earth, too, itself. They're going to be real strong medicine. I make the strongest medicine in the world, and I'm very modest. I have found no one yet that wanted to challenge me because. There's no such thing in my world as a challenge. We don't go around doing that anyway unless we're just playing games where nobody gets hurt, but just games. And so that uh, just see, uh, prove ourselves, and have a little fun. That's all. In other words, we might put a stick behind a sagebrush out there somewhere, and the other guy go over and look for the stick. It ain't there no more. Uh, we might send our dog over into the other man's camp to see what's going on over there and report back to us. Well, sure, that's just normal playing games, though. That's all that amounts to. We like to have a good laugh, you know, and uh, we like to laugh and joke. And uh, we don't really have contests. I quit. Uh, stick game gambling, it's the only kind of gambling I ever did. I don't put any money in slot machines at all. I did play stick games and gamble at one time. But when I start practicing following the medicine trail, I stopped that because I knew that people, uh, I might be tempted to use power to win at that. And then if I used my powers foolishly, then I would uh, uh, want to doctor someone sometime. It wouldn't work, or heal someone. It might not work. Yeah. And some of my best successes, uh, a lot of time been down here in this county. I drive a old 1972 white van as a rule, and and it still runs pretty good. But uh, sitting up home there, and I never bought a new car in my life. I never had that kind of money. At the time I didn't have a, any uh, car, cause my boys at that time had driven my old Impala, uh, somewhere around 125 miles an hour coming from work. And they blew it up at that time. So I had no car. And I came along down here and somebody over here, Uh, out there by Novato and the woman had been thrown by a horse and broke her back, the horse stepped on her back and broke it and they said that she'd be a vegetable if she lived a life. I came along, she got well in one night, right after it happened. I have a habit of that, that when I'm traveling, you know can travel, somebody, some of my people, I consider my people, Uh, I come along and they're hurt or something like that, I'm going to know it. I'm going to show up there. Either if I can't be there, they'll see me up here. Great many of them say that. But I'll get there one way or another and I'll help them. You bet. And so she got well and her husband, one of the few people that appreciate Indians he told me to go down and pick myself out a new car and I did I picked out a white van because I knew I could make a, uh, a Dodge van and I could make a bed in there to sleep see if I could find no room or no place to stay sometime and I could eat meat in there uh, sardines and things like that you know I could get along. And uh, it's got many, many miles on it. Still running, that white man. I earned it. I earned it. Otherwise, this woman, she's uh, living up in New York City now. They uh, got a divorce uh, split up a long time ago. And uh, one thing I don't like to enter into is uh, Marshall Trouble's arguments. Because that's the one that area where there's no winners. Marital, uh, marital. Meaning so, marriage. Is that what you call? It? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Between man and woman. Yeah. No, I will not, because it's none of my business, and I know enough to stay out of areas where, uh, whether are uh, no uh, people not going to listen anyway, you know, and that kind of things. So I'm careful to stay out of those kind of things. I walk away. I don't like. To, uh, I don't want to be involved in any kind of way, in that kind of thing. Where there's no winners. Why, well, I'm not involved. I'm sure I've helped a lot of people in this area. Been in car wrecks, some of them. Bad ones. Even in the hospital. There was an article one time in the San Francisco Chronicle about. Somebody, a friend of mine was in there, and he had scars all broken up. They came out without a scar, without a scar at all. And a great many people around the area here that might be seeing this picture, they're going to recognize me. You bet. And you'll be getting a lot of, please find some way to let me know too when they call Okay. Right, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm still interested in them. I never forget them. Once they've showed any kindness, of any kind, to me, and my people, I I uh, might have to wait a hundred years, but I'll I'll get even with them. I'll pay them back. I'll do something for them every time. Oh, now I get a little carried away there. I guess you know. Uh,
1: what else? Well, let's let's focus in on healing. You're you're a healer, and it's as if nature somehow teaches you how to heal.
0: Yes, I usually use my hands. In the first place, I take a good bath if I need it. Uh, most times I do, and I have the other person also, if it's possible, take a good bath, some of, uh, without soap and perfumes and shampoos. Some of that stuff can knock me down. My odor is very intense, and I can smell the sickness. I go over them. I become an animal, or the animal spirit moves into me. I do use animals, too, in my healing practices. Snakes, different things. I use them in my, my way of healing. But I've become one of those, whichever it's meant to be. And I do guess I make a lot of noise. I don't always remember what I've done after I've done it. And I've worked on, on all I don't know how many people of all, I've worked on doctors, brain surgeons, world-famous brain surgeons, different kinds of people. And I don't know afterward exactly what I've done. Or sometimes a song that I sing, uh, something like that. They come to me. And some are very ancient. Way back, when we all one time sang the same song, spoke the langu- same language at one time. But I go into that area of things, Then I put my animal spirits together, and different kinds of things together. The power of the moon, the sun, and the stars that guide our way. So I to put these all together as one in my mind. I don't have any room then for any other kind of thoughts, whatever it might be, drinking, sex, anything after that. And I picture in my mind what's happening after I've looked into the person, even the broken bones coming together and healing. That's the kind of power I do. I don't do any bad things at all. Uh Uh-uh. I don't allow myself those kind of uh, bad thoughts. And if somebody else has bad thoughts, I'll know it. And I'll get real angry as long as that person's close to me or around me. That time. That time. And we have all kind of helpers at different times. Some last a little while, some stayed with me a long time. <clears throat> and so, so these helpers, too, we all need them. And most old men have got some around him that are learning, assisting, and see if he protects himself the right kind of way. At the same time, they're learning, too, you know. Because the mind of the, of the medicine man at that time, it goes kind of blank. It's at the job to be done. And we got to stay with that person until they're well, no matter how long it takes. First place, we don't have to take the case, okay? But somebody comes along and all at once, uh, we're feeling sympathy for them. I might be aching in the same place, or looking into them, seeing how much. In the meantime, uh, if they come cheap, no presents, not even tobacco, Tobacco is merely to talk. Blankets and different useful things, maybe some food. And we're not immune to the fact that we do need some money. But I always let them give it to my helper. They put it in an envelope and give it to me later, maybe. But I'm not going begging. Don't beg them, we can't do that. It can be an offering. And I took on some mighty tough cases and with good results. But I need encouragement. In other words, we don't travel on a broomstick. And there's times when I had to pay my own fare even to come down here and to help people that way down here. And and then there's times when people have flown me down there, sent airplane up there to pick me up. And so sometimes people are real cheap. I remember one time, though, that this woman was going to a hospital and get her gallstones removed, and it was going to cost her $5,000. Now, this was a rich uh, English movie actress living around San Diego, California. So I didn't know they were rich. I didn't know anything except that I could feel that this woman needed a great deal of help. I found all this out after I got there. You know, about next morning, she was supposed to go in the hospital and have these taken out. Well, I took them out. I took them out of them. And huge ones. Oh, some of them, some of them big as a hen's egg, something like that, and lots of them. I took them out. It took me a day and a half of constant work. She had a terrible diet. I guess some of the English don't eat very well, or healthy food, I call it. Maybe a piece of toast with jelly on it, maybe. A little strip of cheese and maybe one egg. Uh, that was her diet anyway. Uh, uh, Now I don't know if that applies to all English. (laughs) Maybe a greasy strip of bacon mm-hmm. or something like that and maybe a little tea too yeah they go they like that tea but the most atrocious uh, terrible diet i ate to be polite i was sorry of it later i'm not so polite no more but i ate to be polite but one strip of that bacon if you've got gallstone it's enough to cause you congestion right here. It will not go all the way down. That's when you know you've got gallstones, okay? And so, anyway, I worked over, took those gallstones out. And um, how I've done it, different ways of doing things. Sometimes I suck things out of the person with my mouth. Not supposed to swallow any of that infection or any of that material comes out. And there's other times I have a treatment for it. But in every case, it come out easy. And this is my knife, if I need one, with this finger. And I can cut off a tree limb, or I can gather my herbs with this finger. I don't really need a knife. And so, <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, it's painless, absolutely painless, whatever I do. And so anyway, I did a good job on this uh, powerful, rich movie star lady. I think I did a wonderful job for her. And lost money, laid off my job on the railroad. And we got up to the line toward San Francisco. <laughs> Coming north in Los Angeles. And uh, my, one of my people met me with uh, my car down there, the old white van. And so we were running out of gasoline money. And my partner asked me, says, is okay to open the envelope now? I didn't open it. And I said, yes, I think so. If we're going to run out of gasoline, let's open it. We opened it. You know how much was in there? $25. Mm. <laughs> we had a good laugh, man. You can't sit around and blame someone. I, I was foolish, but even so, I wasn't sorry. She'll be a victim. She'll need me again someday. I don't have to go. That's the way it is. I don't have to do anything. I don't, I'm illegal anyway. I'm an Indian, so I'm illegal. I don't even have a paper to hang on the wall. So we made it up to... San Francisco where we had some friends. I remember another time we were coming to San Francisco too and here's a young lady uh, come out of the store with uh, two little children. This is right after uh, Mr. Regan was governor of California and they were hungry. They were on welfare, I guess, and anyway, they was kicked off the welfare. Here they were, and the woman was skin and bones and dirty-looking, and, and they all looked like they hadn't had a bath in a long time, but it's obvious they were all hungry. And we'd bought some groceries. Went had been in the store and bought some groceries. They asked for help. So what are you going to do, man? This was a wh- young white lady. Hell, we give them all the groceries we had, plus whatever change we had left in our pocket. <laughs> and and uh, then we called across the bay for some of our friends to come over and rescue us. And they did. It's handy to have friends, you know, after all. Yeah. So there's a lot of people around here no know and they'll verify a lot of things what I say. Uh, yeah, there was nothing else to do. When somebody's hungry, we don't look at the race like okay. they do. No. A human being, a person is a human being, and especially the women and children. It irritates me. It makes me angry when I see people sleeping under bridges or in their cars because they can't pay the rent. Yes, I still have a temper, and those are the kind of things that make me angry. Yeah, so we do what we can to help, yes we do. But who's going to help us? i tell you, there's many people been helping us and trying to, many good ones. And there's Indians living under a bridge down close to Del Rio, Texas, Kickapoo Indians that can't get back into Mexico and they can't get back into the United States. They had fled down there a long time ago because they didn't like forced education and brainwashing and different things for their children, so they fled to Mexico. Now they tried to get back up here to work and they wouldn't let them back in and they wouldn't let them back into Mexico. So see, tourists, they come they drop maybe uh, cigarettes down on top of their little cardboard shacks. That's what they do. So that we're trying to get help into them all the time. These are traditional Indian, but with no name number, not registered to viewer Indian unfairs, nothing like that at all. <laughs> and there's many good white people, ministers too that are in jail now for helping some of those people. And there's good and bad among all people, really. And I don't have to sit around no more and say, who's going to help us? Because us, is so many. I'm not the only one. We do need help for the militante, our camp. We do need help for our people. But even so, there's others too. And if they don't want to help us, at least they could help some of these others that are starving here, right here in this country. Like out on the, uh, some people in the Black Hills, there's some of those that are desperate. They've went out and reclaimed some of their own land, built villages there, and we're starting to take it back. Also, in... Uh, a Navajo country? 10,000 Navajos being moved right off their land. And I'm proud to say that one young man, a lawyer in San Francisco, and he went down there, and he took a truck, uh, two truckloads of food to some of those hungry people. He was gonna go down there all by himself. And I said, you're gonna let, uh, eat up those people's food? What are you going to do? You know what? Instead of doing uh, coming as a bum, he took two truckloads of food down to those hungry people. Now, that's a Christian in my knowledge, and that's the kind of belief we have. And that young man, I know he's going to do real good And whatever he tries to do. He's going to have good luck. I'm going to see that. So see, there's a lot of people in California, we don't want to see them go into the water, we need them, you bet, to reinforce us to uh, get the nature back in some proper perception, to help us to get more rain, okay, they want more rain, we'd like some help. We don't want people coming to our ceremonies doped or drunked up and putting on something they don't know what they're doing. But we're going to lead the way. We're going to show them how. We're going to help them when we're properly invited. That'll have to be too by some of the native Indians here. There's a few of them scattered around. And it'd be good if both people invite me so I can feel official. If the Indians ain't there somewhere included, then I wouldn't be too interested. Oh.
1: Well, Rolling Thunder, we're just about out of time. Yeah. Already? Already. It's gone quickly.
0: Oh. Well, I was just getting wound up.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Well, we'll do some more.
0: Well, I'd like to spend more time again in this area, because there is a lot of good people in this area, some of the happiest, most sociable people anywhere in the world. I've done some traveling. Some of the best people in the whole world. They reflect this peaceful land as it once was, and the um, uh, Indians that lived here before were some of the most peaceful people. M- my first wife came from the Miwok tribe. That was mm. in some of this area.
1: Yeah. Rolling Thunder, thank you so much for being with me. And, of course, if viewers wish to reach you, they can contact us and we'll forward their messages or their mail on to you. Tell
0: them, too, to make their letters very short and to the point as what they're they're doing. We want the information, what they're all about. And what nationality they are, nobody should be ashamed. Mm -hmm. Spit it out let's get together (laughs) and talk these things over okay yeah
1: thanks so much for being with us Uh, thank you for being oh